taking a look inside the lives and minds of some of the world's most inspiring thought leaders. We really want to create a better world. You want to create better families, better communities. It is important that you as an individual live life from that beautiful state. People living inspiring lives and motivating others. When we feel another person suffering, what happens is you experience an immense power by which your actions, your gestures, your words can heal the other person. Brought to you by Athletic Greens. This is the Inspiring Lives Podcast with Gary Birtwistle. I'm Gary Birtwistle and welcome to the Inspiring Lives Podcast, a show that looks inside the minds of some of the world's foremost thought leaders and we look to discover their recipe for success. Now, if you've been following our series, you'll know that we've already had the best of the best as guests on the show. We've spoken with a super impressive list of the world's top experts in health, nutrition, performance, business, the likes of Todd Herman, Craig Ballantyne, Ryan Holiday, and the great guests just keep coming. So welcome to the Inspiring Lives podcast brought to you by the most complete supplement for a better you, Athletic Greens. Today on the show, we meet Preetha G. Preetha G is one of the world's leading women philosopher teachers. Preetha G, along with her husband, Krishna G, founded O&O Academy, a philosophy and meditation school for transforming human consciousness. And between the two of them, they've impacted scores of seekers from across the world. Preetha G leads us to a whole new way of discovering love, passion, creativity, innovation. And she takes us to a revolutionary approach for discovering our purpose. According to Preetha G, while a mediocre life can be lived with a purpose that is contrived, a great life or a great career or a great relationship can only happen with a purpose that is truly unveiled. She mentors corporate leaders from the world of finance, technology, entertainment, and large-scale business in conscious leadership. So, Preetha G, welcome to the Inspiring Lives podcast. Thank you, Gary. So wonderful being with uh, you on the show and addressing your audience. When you meet somebody for the first time and they ask you what you do, how do you like to reply? (laughs) I would say I help individuals move into a beautiful state and help them transform their experience of life, help them transform the reality itself and help them contribute to a a more beautiful world. That must raise some eyebrows when you say that because that's very contrary to what you'd normally hear when you speak to somebody, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) I... We help an inner experience that pours out to the outer experience. And we believe transformed individuals are most needed for this world right now, taking into consideration where we are. Now, your new book, The Four Sacred Secrets, I believe is just out and available through Amazon. In the opening of the book, you said... Yet, no matter how hard we work, we find ourselves disappointed with the results, trapped by the limitations and weaknesses we have placed on ourselves. Why do we seem to be never fulfilled? You seem to have a fulfilled life and your relationship with your husband, Krishnaji, seems fulfilled. Why is it that so few people can find that place? Gary, uh, we as a civilization have focused a lot on achievement. 
we have it's nothing wrong it's great to achieve it is great to succeed um but very little attention has been brought to our inner state we continue to move towards our uh, towards our accomplishment or achievement or wealth creation from a place of lack and sometimes we achieve from a place of uh, from a state of jealousy from a state of anger from a state of fear and it is these states that is propelling us towards creating achievement in life and and achievement and happiness is something that has been postponed until you've achieved the sad part of it is even when you achieve you get back into living in the very old same state to which you have habituated to your, to in your life like from the very beginning of your life say when you were a kid you were compared with somebody and you have moved towards trying to proving yourself to others and that is what has propelled you because it's a state of comparison a fear of feeling lack a fear of feeling less than the other and if it that is what has propelled you towards achievement even after you achieve you continue having this place of lack of fulfillment discontent accompanying you all your life and uh, for people who have achieved they continue to live in fear of losing what they have achieved and people who are struggling to achieve or continue to live in living in fear of the fear of not achieving so we have not brought attention to our inner state we have not brought we not taught it to our children we have not been taught as we were young and we have moved our lives our steered our lives from a stressful state and that is the reason why we are not able to be uh, experiencing beautiful states and nurturing beautiful states because we are constantly fueling ourselves in a state of stress and when we fuel ourselves from a state of stress and live our lives there is a lack of fulfillment there is a discontent in everything that we experience whether it is our relationships whether it is our careers we are not experiencing content or fulfillment at all do you when you're walking down the street prithiji and you walk into a store you walk into a an event a dinner party a conference when you walk in to an event like that based on what you just said you can almost assume the dialogue that most of us would have in those circumstances looking around what's the inner dialogue that you take in that situation when you are in amongst life and moving around what's the primary consideration you have in your own mind i like to feel people i like to uh, experience them i like to feel connected to them and that gives a greater meaning to that entire circumstance it is an experience where especially let me tell you when i'm leading the hundreds or 200s or a couple of hundreds into in a program and uh, what steers me towards helping them experience a more beautiful state and a more beautiful life is my connection that i feel with them it is experience of their suffering their state their life and a feeling wanting to help them move out of those states so that they experience a beautiful life and that's what steers me into doing what I'm doing right now do you feel their state so in that situation if you have somebody in one of your academy events 
someone is sharing with you, and I suspect it's they're quite deep emotional events. Do you take on the feeling of that state in order to be able to assist them? Uh, there is this miscommunication always when I talk about connection that we absorb another person's suffering. But when we feel another person's suffering, what happens is you experience an immense power by which your actions, your gestures, your uh, your words can heal the other person. When you are coming from a place of connection, not com- not coming from a place of you know, commentary, not coming from a place of judgment, not coming from a place of separation, but you say, you have, you have been in that place, like you have experienced the same fear, you have experienced the same anger, you have experienced the same self-centeredness, and if you're able to feel that, and the actions, the gestures, the words, everything that comes from that place has an immense uh, power to heal the other. There are two ways to go about life, Gary. One is uh, to be preoccupied with oneself and then just relate from that place. Another way is to feeling connected and to feeling connected, to feel beyond oneself, to... um, to include others and then respond. What Krishnaji and I believe is when you are in a suffering state, when we are, when we live our lives in a state of stress, anger, fear, loneliness, insecurity, we feel very separate. We feel very separate. We feel very alienated. We feel very lonely. And we're living, we're living in states, large part of our lives in states of disconnection. But when we are able to nurture a beautiful state again and again in our life, what happens is we feel we feel expanded uh, we are not separate we feel included and uh, we include others and from that state the actions that you perform is like so very supportive to the entire atmosphere you're in it's funny Prithiji because you hear well I have heard the last number of months children talk about the fact that they the parents perhaps or guardians are not paying attention to them and they feel like they don't have the attention. You hear people who have their life in a dark place going, nobody was paying attention to me, and they fall in with a bad crowd who they think are actually paying attention, but it's it's not the case. What I'm hearing you say that by taking the time to really feel the conversation where this person's coming from, it to me it seems like a cornerstone of great communication and connection and properly building empathy with somebody as opposed to being preoccupied with your own world and going, oh, I know what you mean, that must be terrible. Well, it, it, to me, this, this, this seems like a, a little hook that brings those two things together. You know, the person actually feels as though you do understand and care. Um, actually, when you're talking about children, it's very, very interesting um, when we as parents are living in a suffering state, when we are in a dark place, when we are probably used to being and just feeling lonely, just feeling insecure, just feeling possessive or jealous or, or constantly comparing, when we are in that place, we could be sitting amidst our most beautiful children who will be smiling at us, but we are absent to them. Yeah. And they are constantly feeling this experience of being disconnected from you. And they are longing, actually children, everybody for that matter, is longing for this experience of connection. And what is stopping you from experiencing the other, stopping you from connecting to the other, is your preoccupation with yourself, which is your stressful state, which is your suffering state. 
So that is why me and Krishnaji cannot, like we feel it is extremely important, especially if you want to be that conscious parent to the conscious wealth creator, a uh, person who's contributing to the world, who can create a great impact. It is important to start with your work in the inner world. If you are able to free yourself from suffering, I'm not going to say that world is just going to be absolute and absolutely perfect for you and you're just going to be in this uh, 24 bar 7 in a beautiful state. What you're saying is whenever stress arises, it is important to bring attention to it and get it out of it so that you're not constantly fueling that state. If I build upon that, there's some science in the book and the work you're doing, Preetha G. And there's a, a comment in the book I was just curious about. It said, or posed the question, what would it mean to experience life in a completely different way, to feel as if new parts of the brain have been activated and revved up. What what parts of the brain are not being activated that this book can help us activate? If you look at our lives, um, Gary, unless somebody has really focused on the inner state, we see most part of our lives, we are lived in states of fear, we are lived in states of anger, we are lived in states of um disconnection, loneliness, and basically it is amygdala that is overactivated in our brain. We have um, a civilization, we, and because of the evolution, the way it happened, we have an overactive amygdala which gets up into feeling fear, insecurity, anger all the time. And then we have the prefrontal cortex, which has been uh, which has been activated with with all the learning, the education system, which is activating a logical part of our brain. There is yet another region in your brain, which is the medial prefrontal cortex. It's a region in your brain, uh, just behind your, just behind the middle of your eyebrows, and when you activate that region of your brain, you experience greater connection, um, feeling of uh, greater awareness, greater intelligence, and a feeling of expansion. If we move away the activation from the amygdala, and if you begin to activate that region of your brain, the medial prefrontal cortex, you experience greater connection. And what the world needs is individuals living in a state of connection. Right now, what we are doing is we are living in state of separation. And the more we are able to deactivate our amygdala and activate the medial prefrontal cortex, you experience greater connection. And that's what is needed for being a better parent, a better leader, a better entrepreneur, for everything. Is This may be a broad question, but I've heard psychologists and psychoanalysts say that because of the easy access we have to other people's worlds through social media, envy as an emotion is growing and empathy as an emotion is reducing. And hearing you say this, the, the, the science behind the brain, do you think that the medial prefrontal cortex is not getting the work out because we are comparing a lot and we have easy access to comparison? We can say so, but 
but i i don't feel evolution has to stop with just the at the level of comparison because the more we are in a state of comparison we are disconnected we are lacking fulfillment we lack meaning we lack purpose and it doesn't give any joy in life it makes us it makes us feel so uh, horrible about ourselves the more we compare like we try to compare with somebody who's better looking then doesn't stop probably we compare with somebody who's more intelligent than us more smarter than us more um, who, are, who are greater achievers than us so it it doesn't stop it constantly makes you feel horrible about yourself and life is very short and why should we live our life like that why should evolution stop with an overactive amygdala why can't we kind of grow and activate the medial prefrontal cortex it just it's a matter of practice it is a matter of commitment it is a matter of bringing attention to our inner state which has been so much ignored is silence an important part of your day prithiji silence an important i would say connection is a very important part of my day and inner silence definitely is krishna ji and i believe that we not only we believe we have seen in our own lives we have seen in the in the lives of so many participants who whom we touch we have seen that men as they become connected individuals there is an immense vigor vitality that is born within them for creating a great future and it doesn't end we also see that the entire atmosphere or the entire universe is supporting them in the environment in their uh, in their vision now it is like the more disconnected you are then you feel more separate and more uh, chaos and confusion that you experience in life and the more connected you are there is a great meaning great purpose great clarity into life you know what you're doing you know why you're doing you know for whose sake you're doing and you're not lost in life i heard you say the essence of a beautiful state is the absence of conflicting in a chatter do we totally silence that conflicting inner chatter voice or do we muffle it like what happens there how, how how do we how do we create that beautiful state when that voice is going on it is to bring attention to that voice it is to practice meditation it is to practice there is there is this meditation in the book the serene mind practice so anytime you're experiencing an inner discomfort anytime you feel Uncom- uncomfortable with yourself it is important to bring attention to your inner state it is important to bring or identify the exact emotion that is arising within you and bring attention to the movement of your mind and we also teach we also add a visualization impact where we see a light move from the middle of your forehead to the middle of your brain and see the light glow there so it is it is a matter of bringing attention to your inner conflict to the inner voice or the inner uh, noise that is hurting you one of the things that i loved that you said and i've heard you talk about it and you also mentioned it in the book is the state of doing versus the state of being can you just explain that for us we are focused on doing we are not focused on the being like when we when we even we talk about our children when we we constantly correct what our children are doing in terms of uh, how they are supposed to behave how they are supposed to carry themselves but very little attention is brought to very little attention is brought to how they are actually experiencing the more we move away from trying to correct the people around us and move into experiencing what the other person is feeling 
then you have a greater chance of supporting that person. You have a greater chance of allowing them to express themselves very beautifully. We've talked about the inner journey of ourselves, Preeta G. I'm now interested in a couple because we see across the world a lot of breakups of family units and or couples. And I'm just wondering how how do we go about understanding the inner state of our partner? Because you've talked about in the book about understanding Krishnaji's inner state. You've also talked about how he is great at understanding your feeling as an inner state. Talk us through how you go about doing that to, under, to, 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 to get this great connection between partners. We are people who are used to holding on to hurt. If we are people who are used to holding on to disappointment, then every time you get into relating to your partner, it is you who's relating from a place of hurt, who's relating from a place of disappointment, whether you're aware or not. If you are an individual who's strongly holding on to this hurt and then relationship has lost its meaning already. Um, if hurts and disappointments are part of a relationship, you know, you just can't expect the other person to behave and respond and act exactly the same way you want that person to behave, act, respond. It's it's close to impossibility. But what we can definitely do is if you're really committed towards having a beautiful relationship, having a vision for that relationship, you as an individual should be able to walk out of hurt, should be able to walk out of disappointment again and again and again as in when it arises. Then you would not be judging the other from that place of hurt because you, from the place of hurt when you judge the other, you kind of label the other and you make uh, that labeling to be the entirety of the other and then shutting off um, those beautiful aspects of the other. You're not capable of seeing the other. That happens because you hold on to hurt. If we are truly committed to creating a beautiful relationship, which is very important being in a relationship, and it's very, very important when you have children, then you have to nurture a beautiful state, a beautiful state where you're able to let go of hurt and disappointment as a minute arises and nurture love and connection. There's a lovely paragraph in the book that illustrates this. You said, when I'm sad or stressed, Kristen G has never run away from it. He cares for my unhappiness and helps me come out of it. When I'm joyful, he does not separate himself from my joy. He celebrates it as his own. It seems to be a certain amount of vulnerability that has to go into this. Is, is that a characteristic that you think is important for people to be conscious of, is being vul- truly vulnerable with their partner? I personally feel it is very important to feel as one, in which case there is a lot of vulnerability where you're not shying off uh, of your shame or of your failure, but you are, when you feel as one, there is nothing to hide. Mm. When you feel as one, there is nothing to hide it under the carpet. So that is, I feel is very, very important in a relationship where you don't feel separate. You feel as being one, you know that you're cared for and you are there to care for the other. It's both ways. Are children inheriting the emotional state that we find ourselves in today, if we are fortunate enough to be a parent, uh, do you think that this is possible for children to be inheriting the emotional state that we are living in, be they good or bad? Yes, absolutely, yes. Um, um, Actually, genetics is proving that 
probably our emotional state is impacting um, the lives of two generations that is to come. And we are a result of the previous two generations. So I can't stress enough the importance of everyone living in a beautiful state because we believe that as you live in a beautiful state, you would be able to change the epigenetics of your child. As you live in a beautiful state, you'll be able to change the epigenetics of your grandchildren. It's scary, isn't it? It's a lot of responsibility. And we believe that is what has been missed in part of the parenting mm. and upbringing, all the knowledge that we've been hearing, the most important thing that we have missed out is our inner mm. state. We definitely try to make sure that we give our best to our children. We make sure that we achieve, we make wealth, we give them all the comforts. But what we have lost is our state, not knowing that our... St- we believe that we are separate individuals, but it is not true. We are, we are connected in the realm of consciousness and our state directly impacts the way our children experience life. And right now it is showing two generations. So right mm. then even our grandchildren experience that. Purpose is a word that we hear talked about a lot in many different contexts of a fulfilling life. And you have a reputation for leading people through what's known as a revolutionary approach to discovering purpose. What's at the core of that, Preetaji, right at the very centre of that when you are working to draw somebody out to discover their own personal purpose? What's at the centre of that? A state of connection, Gary. The more disconnected you are, the more lost you are in life. That is, if you are driving your life from a place of fear, um, from a place of fear of seeing uh, not being recognized or not being loved enough. When you're driving from that place, you really get burnt mm. out after a couple of uh, a couple, uh, little time. You really, you, you, it's 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 such a strenuous place to be in all the time. Or if you're driving yourself from a place of anger, um, say um, you, you're doing whatever you're doing in life so that you can prove to the other then also it is a very difficult state that can help you move or drive you in life. What you need is a state of connection. I actually mentioned this even in one of my TED Talks, TEDx. Um, it, like, uh, it, purpose does not come by like, you know, actually analyzing what I'm good at and then making that your purpose. No, purpose does not come by saying, let me discover what fascinates me and do that for the rest of my life. Not even that, you know, if you look at life of Gandhi, Gandhi did not say that I'm going to become the father of my nation or I'm going to become a leader, a great leader. He did not start off his life like that. What the, what happened to Gandhi in his life is made, he made whatever happened to him in his life. He felt very deeply connected to the pain and suffering of the people in India. And then he wanted to do all that was right to alleviate that pain. So it was a state of connection that steered Gandhi towards doing whatever he was doing in life. And that became his purpose. Purpose, it's nothing, it cannot be a contract. Purpose is an emergence. It's an emergence from a place of connection. And from that place of connection, you want to do those things that will help people around you, that will help the families or the community or the society. And that will keep driving you for a very, very, very long time. You're not burnt out, you're not feeling tired, you're not feeling exhausted, but then you have a drive because you're actually touching many people's life, either by adding value to their lives or removing their suffering or creating a better life for others. And I guess the flip side of that, Preetha G, is the, the suffering 
that we've talked about, the suffering state. And I've heard it said that to release the darkness, we have to face the darkness and acknowledge the darkness. And I guess for some people listening, that the walls close in and they feel as though they are in a dark place. Have you had that experience? Do you still go through that experience where you move in and out of state? So when that darkness is moving in, what do we? Ha- how do we consciously approach that? I would say you need to stick on to a practice. I would say if you're talking for others, I would say definitely please stick on to a practice, not saying that it is okay, everybody suffers, it's okay. That is what is like not okay. <laughs> Let us, it's rather than bringing attention to it, just putting it in the carpet and saying it's okay, everybody's living the same way, we can also live the same way. It is not okay. Because if you really want to create a better world, you want to create better families, better communities, it is important that you as an individual experience a transformed state of being in experience a beautiful state and then live life from that beautiful state. Not that you would not get into suffering, but as it occurs, do not put it under the carpet, bring attention to it. When you are feeling discomfort, do not say it is okay, but bring attention to it. For me, if you're asking me, Gary, I would say, I would say it, it, it probably hurts me I feel very, um, I would say, it is not comfortable for me to live in a suffering mm-hmm. state. It's like I'm not numb to it. For me, I have to bring attention to my inner state and walk out of the suffering. If I experience fear, if I experience insecurity, if I experience anxiety, I need to bring attention to it because I know very clearly my state has an impact on my life. My state is very important as I'm as I'm relating to my husband, as I'm relating to my daughter, as I'm relating to my uh, the students in the academy. It is very important because I know my state is impacting. I know it is important to live in a beautiful state, and I am not numb to suffering. I have to bring attention to it. So you're you're moving in and out of states as well, Prithiji, because I think people people hear guests on shows like this and they think they have it all sorted. But what you're saying is that you still go through the same thing that all of us go through, you've just learned how to acknowledge and be conscious of those states and then make a better decision. Is that right? Absolutely. And what has definitely helped is my own states of those profound states of connection, those profound states of joy, those profound states of, of bliss actually helps me walk out of suffering states easily, but it is available for every one of you. Everyone who's listening, it is it is something that is available for everyone and you need to practice it and you need to walk out of suffering states. When you see people, whether it be Zen masters, uh, people who are very good yoga practitioners, people like yourself, Krishnaji, they seem to be connected to the world around them and they seem to be at peace with the world around them. And I've always seen that about people who have and are aware of their inner state. They seem at peace with the world around them. How, how does that come to be? What's the Somebody hears this and says, yes, I want to step into that place because we hear about a lot, we read it about a lot, but some do it exceptionally well, others aspire to do it. How, how do you become connected to the world around you? Practically, I would say, please do a meditation mm. and please do any meditation that is there on the book if, if you're getting hold of the book or do a practice. The more you are calm within yourself, the more you have ended the war within yourself. You're not torn by conflicting ideas. You're not torn by conflicting values. You're not constantly judging 
yourself, commenting on yourself, criticizing yourself. If you are at peace with yourself, you will be at peace with the world. If you are a person who are who is at constant discomfort within oneself, not only that you are uncomfortable with the world around you, it doesn't stop there. You actually create more sorrow, more pain and more confusion to people, to life around you. And it's interesting through all this, you in the book you talk about aspiring to greatness and every one of us aspires to greatness, whether it be a great parent, a great partner, a great professional, a great sports person, a great wealth creator or a great change maker. How does one qualify or quantify that in any of those disciplines they are great? It qualifies by the fulfillment that you experience and that would come only from a connection that you would experience. See, I've got a question on that. Even after you achieved a lot, Gary, let's say even after I achieved a lot in life, and then if you're still coming from this place of lack, I have seen billionaires who are like constantly comparing themselves with somebody else, who are living in this place of feeling insignificant, who's feeling a place of feeling not seen, not heard, constantly feeling and coming from a place of lack, then they wouldn't experience any fulfillment in what they have achieved and what they have created. So if you want to qualify the greatness, I would say you would qualify with the fulfillment that you're experiencing in whatever you're doing. So as an illustration, I recently interviewed a New York Times bestselling author, uh, has been of service to his country with distinction, has done incredible sporting feats, is popular in the podcast world, So this is a person who is at the top of their game. By everybody else's measures, they're great. Yet in the quiet moments at home, they still have the imposter syndrome that attacks them. Is your thinking, and yes, they they can move in and out of states, at the centre of that, would you think that possibly they still haven't found their true purpose and or acknowledge that or resolved their true purpose? Uh, Depends upon how much of the time they feel not good. Um, It's like uh, if you say 100%, if if say 90% of the time people are feeling disconnected, feeling lost and feeling a lack of purpose, um, or is it only 10% that keeps creeping in this room that way? That is the question that we should ask. Like, like even for students of the academy, uh, when they come in to uh, to learn to to learn to live in a beautiful state, to experience those profound states in consciousness, probably they would experience their life seventy five, eighty percent of their life from states of stress or from states of suffering. What happens when they go through the process is uh, the percentage shifts, the proportion shifts. Probably twenty five percent is what they live in suffering states, but seventy five percent of the time they are living in a beautiful state. And even in those 25%, people are gaining more and more strength to uh, to walk out of the suffering state and changing the entire, it is like changing the uh, ecosystem of your inner world. Brother G, is there ever a quiet moment where you and Krishna G sit and question what you believe in? Because people read your book, see the work you're doing, see a TEDx talk, everybody thinks that the people they see have got it sorted. Is there ever a moment where... You, you guys sit together and go, are we on the right track? 
are, are we believing the right things? Uh, we don't ask that. We have not asked that question because we believe. Uh, not only believe we experience the power of the work that we are doing. We experience the power of state of connection. We experience the power of this work actually impacting individuals, families, um, and future generations, and many, many generations to come. What's our wounded child state? What is it? How would I recognize it? The life around us can be just perfect and nice, but still you experience that there is nobody for you in your life. Still, you can experience, you can have a wonderful partner, you can have wonderful children and sometimes grandchildren, but there is this inner lingering feeling that is constantly hurting you that there is nobody for me in my life. I'm alone. If you are experiencing that, that means you are experiencing a wounded child. Actually, every every civilization that has come, that has existed, every ancient civilization has always brought attention to our, an inner journey. That is, as we move past life, as we go through the loss, as we go through suffering, as we go through the pain, the experiences of uh, pain around us, even as a child or when we are, we are growing up and living through life, Every ancient civilization has brought attention to the inner world and the need and the importance of experiencing an inner journey. Unfortunately, with all the technological advancements that we are seeing in today's world, we have somehow not, we have lost out, this civilization has lost out on the importance of going through this inner journey. If not for this inner journey, we, we continue to accumulate toxins in our consciousness. That is, uh, just as the body is accumulating toxins and it is important for the body to let go of the toxins in order to experience health, we need to let go of the toxins that is accumulated in our consciousness uh, and experience life afresh. Otherwise, we are only seeing life through the toxins or only experiencing life with the toxins in our consciousness, and we are not experiencing reality as it is. You sometimes, few of us are fortunate to have great, uh, wonderful life, but still continue to feel uncomfortable, still continue to feel a place of lack, discontent, lack of fulfillment within oneself. Or few of us are actually experiencing a very uh, a chaotic life right now in the present, and with the inner chaos, the outer chaos is getting magnified. It's interesting you mentioned the the ancient ones and going back thousands of years ago, India's ancient sages were the pioneers of the science of consciousness. Prithiji, what is it about India? Why is India seem to be the home for consciousness and inner reflection? Different parts of the world has taken something to go after it. Like if you see South Korea, it has gone after trying to making technological advancements or US is, is having something else. Each country is very different. But for thousands of years, India has focused on inner world and um, the pursuit for enlightenment, pursuit for transformation, pursuit of uh, inner experience or pursuit of expanded state has become the part of, um, has, has been 
probably a part of the culture for a very 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 long time so um, so transformation experiencing greater states right now in the present india probably it is forgotten but it is part of our dna i would say just to close out the interview which i really have enjoyed today prithiji i love hearing you talk about your work and the, the contribution and difference you're making in the world. I heard you tell a story about the cobra. And, of course, when we think about India, we, we often have a visual picture in our mind of the cobra. Just to finish that, just tell us the story of the cobra. Uh, if you look at the cobra every few weeks or I think every few months, it goes into seclusion. It goes into seclusion whenever it gets very uncomfortable within its own skin. And then when it's uncomfortable with its own skin, it's not even able to see. That is, its vision is getting blurred. Um, So uh, it moves into seclusion and then gets rid of its old skin. And then once the old skin goes, there is a new skin that emerges. This this is a process that happens throughout its lifetime and uh, every few few months. And then uh, along with the new skin, there is greater power in its fangs. And the vision which it has lost completely, it regains its vision with greater clarity. This entire journey of the cobra represents, um, if you have to put it into our lives, the need for getting rid of all the old, of all the toxins. Every time you feel uncomfortable within yourself, it is time for you to make an inner journey. It is time for you to make an inner journey so that you will uh, get rid of the toxins that's accumulated in your body and you experience greater power in your in your uh, in your in your own body, in your life, in your uh, in your consciousness, and you also have a great clarity into uh, your vision into life itself. It's such a beautiful story because even right from the start, you said it goes into seclusion, in which case it withdraws and takes time to think about itself. To bring attention. Yeah, bring attention. And it gets uncomfortable. And then its vision starts to blur and then it recreates itself and comes back stronger. And even in a business sense, I, I think the lesson there is that business people need to step away from the the doing part and get into the being part. Look at the vision of what is the next, what does the future look like and readdress the future, get uncomfortable, make changes because when you do that, you come back stronger. I just think it's such a great story that we could take pieces from to keep at the front of our mind to say, and it's also back to your point, is it something you can check in and say, am I doing that or not? Or am I being a brown snake who just keeps on doing what it does, but the cobra reinvents itself? It, it just seems very powerful to me. If not for that, we would. Be, it'll become life itself. Experiencing life itself would become a very painful experience, Gary. We would stop enjoying as this says the the vision gets blurred for the cobra. We do not know what you're doing and what you're doing in life. We are just continuing. We're just existing. We're not living. So just as a cobra does, we need to do it. And it has been part of many ancient civilizations, just that it is lost. And the loss of having having lost such a powerful uh, way of living, we're actually creating so much of pain and chaos in the world around us. Taking into consideration that we want to create a more beautiful world for our children and our grandchildren and also for us, it is extremely important that we change our inner experience and we come out with great 
vision and clarity and purpose and meaning in life. This is a question I wasn't going to ask you, but it's just come to mind, Preetha G, so bear with me. Is there an animal that you most relate to? We've talked about the cobra. Is there an animal that, that Preetha G and or Preetha G and Krishna G relate to that goes, that's kind of an alter ego or that is an animal whose consciousness or inner state I can relate to? Does one come to mind for you? Yeah, somebody asked me this question earlier when I was in, I think, Taiwan last year. And I was like, really shocked with the question because I had never thought about an animal relating. But then I had a faculty with me. She said, oh, I can tell you. And she said she she is probably the like a mother uh, elephant. <laughs> so somebody who is like, though moving at great speed, is very careful with, the people around or the other elephants around and is able to pick exactly even at the great speed moving across. So she was able to do it. I wasn't able, but it's her answer. Probably, yes. <laughs> well, that's probably a terrific place to pull up here, Preetha G. Thank you so much for your time. The book has only come out this week. Uh, where would you send people to check out your work, the work you do with Krista G? the academy, the book, where's the hub for all the wonderful work you're doing? pkconsciousness.com, pkconsciousness.com. Thank you. I know how much you've got going on. You made time for us today. It's been an absolute privilege. Oh, thank you so much, Gary. It is, it's been really interesting talking to you and addressing your audience. I received questions that have not been received, uh, that have not received earlier, and it's just wonderful talking to you. So that's today's show. There are loads more incredible guests in the weeks to come on the Inspiring Loves podcast. You can find all the show notes at athleticgreens.com. Next time on the show, I'm going to sit down with John Romanello. Now, John's an author and angel investor who consults to entrepreneurs who want to improve their communication skills and increase their revenues through writing. John is really well known across lots of different industries, having written hundreds of articles covering topics of business, marketing, fitness, self-development. He's the author of the New York Times bestseller, Engineering the Alpha. John also founded Wellspring Media, a consulting company focused on helping increase income and influence through effective branding and storytelling, which today is at the heart of much of his work. So that's next time on the Inspiring Lives podcast. The Inspiring Lives podcast brought to you by Athletic Greens. New episodes out every other Monday morning. Tune in and subscribe on the Apple Podcasts app or your favorite podcast platform.